Whether you read the paper newspapers or whether you see it online, you see nothing but riots in the streets. You see deception and lies coming from the highest levels of government, whether it's the federal government, city or state level. We see corruption, you know, and more lies. Just when you start believing someone, this person may be this or person may be that, you find out that there's deception and lies. You know, we've seen over the last week or so what was happening in uh, was Charlotte, North Carolina. We see hatred. We see racial hatred just being poured out and promulgated. We see hatred for authority, for the police, for those that are supposed to keep us protected. We see those that would try to bring about nothing but sheer anarchy. They would love to have no law and order about us. That is certainly contrary to God's word. Because even God's word says that we are to obey those that are in authority over us. And that is, of course, obey those in authority unless they're telling you to do something outside of the word of God. Amen. You know, if the government was all of a sudden was to erect a statue the way Nebuchadnezzar said and said, all those that see the statue shall bow down and worship the statue. Well, this is one time we as Christians, as Christians, yeah, Christians, Christian citizens, <laughs> Christian citizens, we do not obey the government because we certainly do not bow down and worship idols. All right. But as long as they are saying things that are in line with the word of God and in line with government, because God blesses government or, and, 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 and promotes government we're supposed to do that we cannot have the sheer anarchy in our in our midst but there are there are those around us that are sowing anarchy they do not wish to be in in control of anyone or give any respect we see we see no respect for authority or law and order and it stems from the very top of government it stems from the very top of government in high places does it sound familiar in high places you see when you see what's going on on TV and you wonder how could this be happening in here in the 21st century where there's senseless killing that's going on and people are just turning. And if you watch the mob, if you watch the crowd, you see them moving about with no sense at all. I mean, it's just like it's spontaneous, you know, an individual there who says that he's going to be out there picketing. He gets shot and killed, shot in the head and killed. Did he ever think that on that particular day he would be on this earth no longer? Amen. Amen. So we see all sorts of violence and going on. All right. But when you watch it and if you watch it with Holy Spirit understanding and your eyes are truly open and your ears are open, you can see that what is going on in those very streets is not so far fetched at all. As far as in, in biblical terms, we can see that that you can see almost Satan in the midst of that crowd, just working it, just working it, spewing out hatred for one another and just stirring the pot. As again, as I said, from from wicked and very high places, from the very top of government. And as I said, it sounds familiar and it should. Let's go to Ephesians 6 briefly. Ephesians 6. Praise the living God. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to go to um, verse number 12. And these have, we've been here so many times. And while you're getting there, you know, again, picture the crowds. We've all seen the riots going on in the street, and now they're running around almost senseless. Well, guess what? They're not running around senseless. There very much is control that's going on there. 
and the people that are there in the streets spewing out these hateful words and everything, they are indeed being controlled. Amen. Now we see here in Ephesians 6, chapter 12, uh, chapter 6, verse number 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen? Amen? Against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen? So the things that you see happening out in those riots and in the streets, and you wonder why those in authority and in power do not come forth and say something that will bring the people together. Many times what they say coming from their mouths, either they say it willingly, and I believe that some of them, some of them know exactly what they're saying. It just sows more gasoline onto the fire, spreads more gasoline onto the fire. I believe they know full well what they're doing and saying. Then there are those others who are mindlessly just simply being controlled. There are principalities of wickedness in high places. This is, goes beyond the shadow of a doubt. The, Satan, the devil himself, involves himself, himself in the affairs of men. I say again, Satan himself involves himself in the affairs of men. All right? He quietly and invisibly just sits back manipulating and maneuvering people to do what it is that he wishes them to do. And this is backed up by the Bible. Now, we just read this one little place here that tells you that there's rulers of darkness in, in this world against uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. But then again, let's go, go to Ezekiel 28. Go to the book of Ezekiel 28. I'm talking about here how Satan involves himself in, in, in the affairs of men. Now, he involves himself, himself and his, and his uh, demonic minions not only in the affairs of men at the government level, but he also involves himself in your affairs. He involves himself in your life. And many times we walk around just thinking that everything is peachy keen or we get upset about something. And if you stop and really ask yourself, why am I upset about something or, or against someone, you many times you cannot even answer that question, you see, because you're being influenced. You're being influenced. As far as governments are concerned, this goes back to time immemorial where Satan has involved himself in the affairs of men. Now we go to Ezekiel chapter 28. Did I say 28? Chapter 28. Okay, and we're going to read about the king of Tyre. Tyre, or Tyrus, as it is sometimes called, is to, is in modern day today. It's in modern day Lebanon. All right, it's a very old city within within what is now Lebanon, and this is about the king of Tyre. Chapter twenty-eight, verse number one. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, this is Ezekiel the prophet, The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, or Tyre, Tyre, thus saith the Lord God, Because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am God, I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man, please underline, yet thou art a man, and not God, underline not, okay, yet thou art a man and not God, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel, there is no secret that, that they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding thou hast gotten thee riches, 
<coughs> excuse me, and had gotten gold and silver into thy treasures, but thy great wisdom and by thy, thy, thy traffic or merchandise hast thou increased thy riches, and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Okay? He's lifted up because of his riches. He thinks he's Mr. It. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou thou, um, hast set thine heart as the heart of God, behold, therefore, I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. They shall bring thee down to the pit. And thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Wilt thou yet say before him that slayeth thee, I am God? But thou shalt be a man and no God in the hand of in the hand of him that slayeth thee. Thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hands of strangers. For I have spoken it, saith the Lord, saith, saith the Lord God. So here he's saying here, because of the fact that you lifted yourself up with your wisdom and your other ways and getting riches and stuff like that, you get puffed up in yourself and you start thinking of yourself as being a God, you know? And you almost stop and think about in our government today, those that would be in authority, how many have puffed, them, have puffed themselves up, selves up and lifted themselves up, almost trying to make us, the, the, the peons, the voters, and I'm not getting politically, I'm simply saying the people, that I am Lord over you. You know, I know what's best for you, okay? But he's saying here, you're thinking yourself to be a God, but you are no God. All right? He continues here in verse number 11 and says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyre, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Okay? Now, notice what's being said here. He's saying, telling this prophet to take up this lamentation and say to the king of Tyre, of Tyre he's saying in, in verse number 12, Son of man, to and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden. Now, we know that the king of Tyre was a man and that he obviously was not in Eden. Okay? Alrighty? Alright, but God is saying, you were in Eden. He goes on to say there, um, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, etc., etc. Thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. Okay? Now, put a bookmark here. Okay? And as you're turning to Isaiah 14... Put a bookmark there and turn to Isaiah 14. Okay? Now, in the first part there, he told the prophet to say to the man that this is, what you, this is what's going on. You think you're hot stuff and all this sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, God starts talking about in the day that you were created. Okay? That you were perfect. You were this and that. You were this and that. Okay, we go to Isaiah 14, verse number 12. 
Okay? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning star? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne unto the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to trouble, that tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities that opened the house thereof? All right. So we see the description here is exactly what's being spoken by Ezekiel to the king of Tyre. All right. So this goes to show us that. The king, who was all puffed up in himself, and God said that you gained all the riches, and you've gained this, and you've gained this, and yet still you're thinking of yourself of God. Then all of a sudden he tells Ezekiel, you prophesy to that human king, and let me tell you who I'm really speaking to here. He's speaking to none other than Lucifer or Satan himself. Amen. So we see this by, by this point, that the king of Tyre, what is really embodied in him, all of his puffiness and, and, and his ways to rule and all of this, where he thought he was so much it, is really being governed by Satan himself, which is where God, where, who God is speaking to. You see, so Satan, Satan involves himself in the affairs of men. King Tyre was governing Driven by the decisions that Satan was putting in his, mind, in his mind, by the thoughts. Amen? You see? So when we see these things happening before our very eyes, you should be watching these things on television or what you're reading about with some Holy Spirit eyesight and some wisdom and see what's really going on. You see? So I don't care who it is that you may wind up voting for. This whole thing is not going to, to unfold. It's going to unfold the way God wants it to unfold. Because when you look at those people out there, they're running around like maniacs. No man, no man, no man can control this. It has to go where God wants it to go. Amen? The only thing that we as Christians need to pray for is that during this process, wherever God is going to let it go, that we, his children, are watched over. And that's always that my, been my prayer. Everyone sitting in this room and every other Christian that I know, I pray that God will watch over, that God will give us Holy Spirit wisdom and insights not to be where those things are happening. And to have some Holy Spirit wisdom that if we are happening to be in the midst of these things, that we have enough wisdom and sense to get out of there, not to be so curious that I need to get involved. Amen? Amen? So we see here that, 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 that uh, Satan involves himself in the will of the people, okay, and the affairs of people. Go to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter eleven. You know, and Satan in his you know, and some would say even, oh gee was look how much time he's spending on talking about Satan. You know, here he is in church, and he's part of his sermon. A lot of his sermon is about Satan. Well, guess what? The more you believe or think that Satan doesn't exist, that's his biggest tool. That's his biggest weapon against you. Amen? God certainly knows, his, you know, knows he exists. He just read some part of it. Jesus Christ talked about him left and right. 
casting out demons and everything. He does exist. Right? But his biggest weapon against you is you believing or thinking that he does not exist. Or you believing and thinking that he does not have, have um, I won't say a hand on your life, but can, can, can put an impact on your life. Can involve decisions that you make. Can involve things that happen around you. All right? That Satan can, can give to you things which may appear to be blessings. Amen? 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 But they may not be of God. Amen? Or even if God has blessed you, truly, truly of God, Satan puts in your head, though, that I got this without God. Alright? So after you've gotten that new house, that new car, that big sum of money or whatever it is, you forget all about God. You forget the way that God has blessed you. And you move on and you move on and you don't pray to him. You don't keep him in your midst or anything else. In the meantime, Satan is telling you, putting that subtle thought in your head, you don't need to do that. See how you, you did it yourself? You had a good credit rating. You had this. You had that. See how you got it yourself? Amen? Well, does, who does that sound like? King Tyre thought, thought the same thing. Amen? He was thinking that he raised this kingdom. He did all of this himself. And God said, oh no, you're going to, you're going to get your just reward. Uh, you shall indeed be destroyed. Amen? Amen? The kingdom of Tyre, by the way, as a matter of historical fact, the kingdom of, of, of Tyre, the, the city of Tyre, was uh, overthrown by Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? And then later on, Alexander the, Alexander the Great came along and laid waste to it. I mean, that's historical fact. You can look that up for yourself. Amen? The kingdom was indeed destroyed. You see? So it's very, very dangerous to let Satan be involved in the affairs of our lives and not realize that he's there, okay, so that we don't be um, beguiled and seduced by him. Amen? Amen? Chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 1. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, lest by any means, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve Eve, through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Okay? Beguiled. The serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety so that your minds should be corrupted or could be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Amen? Amen? So it's so simple for us to believe in Jesus and follow him and what his sayings tell us to do. It's so easy. But the evil one, Satan, will come along and beguile you and trick you the same way he did Eve. What do you say to Eve? God, did God really say that you were going to die if you eat of that fruit? Did God really say that? God just doesn't want you to be as smart as he. Amen. And so he, 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 she was tricked. She was beguiled. Okay? okay. Satan can trick and beguile us the same way. When you start thinking that I've gotten these things, I've achieved this level of authority, I've been promoted to this, I've gotten that, all because of how good I am. All because of how smart I am. Or because the boss likes me, or the so-and-so this, or the so-and-so that. That's being beguiled by Satan. It's taking you, your mind away from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ, which simply says, believe in me. Trust me. Have faith in me. Amen? But the devil will beguile you and trick you away from it. You see? You see? You see? Now, now the, the king of Tyre, I don't know if the king of Tyre, Tyre ever gave any thought 
for what we kind of read about him, this guy was not very much, uh, wasn't leaning towards God. It, the, the, the biblical record doesn't say much, but it appears that he was simply on, this is me. This is with my strength and my savvy and my wit and my wisdom and my power, I shall achieve and get to where I am. Amen? Okay? This is being beguiled. Okay? You continue in chapter 11 and go down to verse number 13. Okay? And, um... And start at, at 10. As the truth of Christ is in me, no man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Wherefore, or why? Because I love you not, God knoweth. But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein thy, they glory, uh, they may be found even as we. For such, for such are false apostles, underline. For such are false apostles. Deceitful workers, underline. Underline this whole verse. Deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. You see that? Alright? For such, for such are, are false apostles. Deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel or no wonder, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now in the real translation that says there, and no marvel, for Satan, for Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Okay, you see? All right? Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be uh, according to their works. All right? Verse 13. Such are false prophets, deceived, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. We cannot be led astray. We cannot be, um, be, be tricked and fooled by those who would appear to be preaching and talking the things of Christ and are actually false apostles. False teachers. It goes on to say there that it's no wonder because if Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light, then of course those that follow him will appear to be the same way. And you think this is not so? I am telling you that the number of, 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 uh, and I'm just telling it like it is, the number of ministries that you can run across online and other places in real life that will seem like they're actually preaching the gospel of Christ. They're actually preaching these things. They're actually being false prophets because when you stop and you really listen with Holy Spirit wisdom and understanding, you will see that the things that they're preaching is not of God. And I'm going to go off just for a little bit and being led to here to, to, to just get into this. But our, um, we, we, we'll see these ministries that are raised up as being Christian ministries. And then when you get involved in everything, you see them praising God and so on. And then they start talking about, take for an example, the, 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 the gift of healing. All right, And they open up these healing schools where they say that you can pay for this healing schools and you can learn. We will teach you how to heal. All right? Well, we know from the biblical record that where is the gift of healing? First, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The only that can give you a gift of healing is God, is Holy Spirit. No man can teach you the gift of healing. Amen? Okay? And many of the other things that they talk about the gifts of the Spirit. You see? So these are false apostles. Uh, false apostles. They're, they're false prophets because they're saying things supposedly in the name of Jesus and preaching Christ, but they're not. 
All right? And it says that it's no small wonder because if Satan can transform himself into an angel of light, okay, or doing something really good, it's no great thing for his ministers to also transform themselves as the ministers of righteousness, okay? So I'm saying all this to say again because the whole topic of this message today, the subject here, is how Satan involves himself in the affairs of, in the affairs of man and in, involves himself in the affairs of government and involves himself in the affairs of your life. You have to make sure that you're not being deceived, that you're not being um, uh, tricked into following along with that. Amen? False prophets exist, and Satan is there to make sure, or to get all of us off uh, on the wrong track as best as he can. We see how Satan can influence the affairs of men at the government level, as I said, and in the personal lives of people, and even in Christians. You see? And many, many Christians will even say, well, you know, I'm this and I'm that. Satan can't get into my life. Satan can't influence what I'm doing. Amen? Amen? But how many times do we see when there's doubt running through your mind? When you make a decision that is not in line with Holy Spirit... When you're going someplace and doing something that God would perhaps not want you to do, that you're not reading your Bible, you're putting the time off, okay, and you're just putting prayer time or whatever it is as a second level thing. In essence, you're kind of saying, I don't need to pray. I don't need to read the Word of God. Well, that's Satan involving you in the affairs of your life. Because the Word is pretty explicit and clear on how we should be reading His Word and how we should be worshiping Him. Amen? Amen? So how do we defend ourselves? How do we defend ourselves against this? We can't let Satan influence the affairs of our lives. We, can't, we simply cannot let him do it. How do we do that? First of all, it, 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 it starts with just regularly attending church. Amen? Go to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10. See, it, start, it starts in such a subtle way where Satan starts getting involved in our lives and we don't even, even realize it, you know? You know, and again, like I said, King Tyre, I, I, I don't know at what point it started with him, but, but certainly God was not in his life. I mean, he thought of himself as being such a high and mighty man, and you see what, uh, what God told Ezekiel the prophet to say to him, where he was ending up. Amen? Hebrews 10... Um, Start with 19. Having therefore, brethren, we'll, we'll wait a minute for everyone to, to get there. Praise God, we're not in rush. Amen. Hebrews are uh, Hebrews 10, verse number starting with 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in to the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast, hold on tightly, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Okay? For he is faithful that promised. You've got to hold on to your faith without wavering. You know, you can't have faith one minute or one hour or, or one day and not have it the next minute or hour or another day. You've got to hold fast to that. You know, and holding fast to faith is holding fa fast to something when it does not appear to be working in your way or in your favor. 
simply keeping faith that God is going to bring this through you. You bring you bring you through it, okay? Without wavering, you know. What does the, the word of God say elsewhere? Um, a, a, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Amen. So if you're wavering, then you're unstable, okay? And instability is not a good thing when it comes down to the things of your life. Amen. Goes on to say. Um, In verse number 24, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. Underline, as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another, and so much more, as you see the day approaching. Alright? So forsaking not the assembling together of ourselves. Okay, as the manner of some is. Now, of course, we all, we, all, we, all, we all get sick from time to time. We all go on vacation and we, and we miss church occasionally. What I'm talking about is regularly attending church. Knowing that this is where I need to be on a Sunday. Knowing that this is where I am supposed to be. So, when we say it where it says not forsaking, this is something God wants us to do. Amen? You see? But the devil will get in there. Satan will, 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 will get in, in the affairs of your life by telling you that this is not an important point. Okay, you don't need to go to church. As long as you're reading your Bible, maybe you're in a good Bible study class, or maybe you're doing this, maybe you're doing that, but it's not the same thing as being in church where there is fellowship that is going on. You see? And it gets us to the point, it gets us to the point, you, you know, as, as why we are going to church. Why we go there, you know? Many times while we're going to church, we need to also be aware of false prophets, as I said before, understanding why we go to church. We go to church to fellowship. We go to church to fellowship, not to socialize. Okay? Now there's a difference. Alright? We can fellowship as we do here at our, at our little Christmas function. Okay? Where, where, where we're just enjoying one another's company. And the reason we're going to church is to have good godly fellowship. We're not going there to socialize, to look for, um, you know, who's the guy I might find, find or who's the girl that I might find. Or, or, or I'm going to go to church simply because I don't want so-and-so talking about me. You know, you know, I want to show up each month. You know, each, each, sometimes it is each month instead of every Sunday. Amen? You see, so we can't go to church for the wrong reason. You see, it gets, it gets to the point, why do we go to church? All right? The reason for church is to worship God. It's to worship God. It's to praise Him. It's to worship Him. It's to hear His word, to hear His message, so that we can learn, so that we can be edified. Going to church and forsaking not the gathering together of ourselves is that in church, you'd be surprised sometimes how you may start talking to another individual and you'll find out that that other individual is going through something very similar to you. Amen? Amen? You'd be surprised how Holy Spirit will use another believer, you know, to, to just make you connect. And then casually that person may say, you know, I went down to the so-and-so, and so-and-so happened to me. And you'd be sitting, oh, gee, that's what just happened to me. Oh, well, how did you handle it? Oh, well, I did so-and-so and so-and-so. In the meantime, God is using that other person to speak to you. God is speaking through that other person, you see. But it's another child of God that is in your congregation, in your church that you're fellowshipping with. So God says, forsake not, forsake not that. Okay, we, we cannot start um, 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 not, not fellowshipping and worship together. Amen? Amen? Worship, worshiping together. Okay? And then along with that, if you stop fellowshipping, and then what happens is that unbelief uh, sneaks in. Unbelief sometimes can give us that feeling that God is distant, or that God's not in my life, or that God doesn't care, or God is not doing that. 
Okay? And many times you notice that as you're getting on that path of drifting away by not fellowshipping, you'd be surprised how much more easily that feeling of unbelief will simply creep in. You say, you know, oh, I'm never going to be able to prosper. I'm never going to this. I'm never going to. It's not going to ever happen. You see? And it's all happening where the devil there is beguiling you and is sneaking, sneaking all sorts of bad thoughts into your mind. The next thing you know, you start feeling lost. This is deception because with God, you are never lost from him. You see? But many times when we feel that God is not here, God is indeed always here. All right? God is always here. You see, you know, if you notice again, I was talking about, you know, praise and worship and, and, and worshiping God and so forth. Um, the reason that we sing, and you've heard me say this before, and praise God, is because the songs, if you'll notice the lyrics to the words that we're singing, we're actually praying, you know. And during the time where you're praising and worshiping God and you're standing there with your hands up, you, you're praying to God. And you should be understanding what it is that you're singing. Your mind shouldn't be drifting about the Sunday ham that's in the slow cooker back home or whatever it is that you're, you're waiting for. Your mind should be, this is the time that I have set aside here where I'm going to worship God and thank you, God, and praise you. How thankful I am for everything that you've done in my life. It's a time of worship where we're supposed to do that together. Okay? Alrighty? And, and, and the thing is, is that many times we forget about that and we just say, well, let me just go and let me just hear the message. Well, yeah, the message is good for you to hear, but you need to spend that time worshiping and praising God. Alright? See? But Satan will get into your mind and he again will start telling you, that's not important. That's not important. Well, let me see. By the time they get past the praise and worship, um, it's about, about quarter to eleven. So as long as I get there to hear the start of the message, I don't need to be there for the praise and worship. So I get there at a quarter to eleven. Okay? Well, you don't know. You don't know what may happen when the time for you, when, when church is, is supposed to start. You never know what will happen. You, you never know where Holy Spirit may have something really going on that you need to benefit from. Okay? You'll never know what may happen during that time when, when, when that particular local body of the church has agreed to start the service. You never know because when the service starts, that's when God starts. Okay? The service doesn't start when you walk in the door. The service starts when, when God starts the service. Amen? So you never know what's going to happen during that time. All right? And we all get delayed from time to time. I'm not trying to make anyone get on a guilt trip. We all get delayed. All I'm just trying to say is that um, uh, it's, how you are, it's how you are preparing your spirit in understanding what your role and your responsibility is towards God. If you want to continue to be blessed. Amen? Amen? How do you keep the promise in mind while you're waiting to arrive in your promised land? We all have our promised lands. Things that you're praying for. Your future lives together. A a house. A car. A new job. Whatever it is that you're praying for, God has a promised land. Alright? But if you're going to get to that promised land, don't forget, God has a promised land for you where he wants to get you to. Something that he wants to accomplish in your life, a blessing. But at the same time, Satan is against you trying to undo that promised land. Satan has a, Satan has a thing against you where he would like to get your mind off of God. Where he would try to distract you away from what God is saying to you in your life. Amen? Amen. So as soon as you start losing sight of what that promised land is all about, then you're doomed. You're doomed, okay? Because then more and more doubt starts creeping in. You start becoming more and more discouraged. You start feeling, well, this thing called church ain't working anyway. And you just throw your hands up and then eventually you stop coming. Okay? We all wind up, if you're not careful, going to church for all of the wrong reasons. 
Amen. We don't go to church simply to be blessed. We go to church to worship God and to praise God knowing that we will be blessed. Amen. 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 As a result of worshiping God. You just don't show up saying you got on your calendar, you got on your calendar at home a little X mark for each Sunday that you attended because you want to keep your, your, your track record good, so to speak. Amen. What's your motivation for going to church? Amen. You need to ask yourself, you know, you know. You know, you know, why is it that I want to be there? Why is it that I want to be, be under the anointing of Holy Spirit? You know, how often do you think about praising and worshiping God outside of church? All right? How many times do you think of praising and worshiping God outside of church? Amen? You can praise God while you're doing the dishes. You praise God in the car. You know, you can praise God in the shower. You know, it doesn't have to be an hour and a half prayer. I mean, you can praise God no matter where you might be. You see, so this is an extension. And, and you see, and this is what winds up growing a part of and becoming a part of your life. When you are fellowshipping in a church regularly, it becomes a part of your life. Because you start hearing it more and more from the Word of God. What does the Word say about hearing and retaining and doing God's Word? Alright? The biggest thing, one of the biggest things that I've harped on for many years... I've written articles about it. We've been over these scriptures that we're about to read in a few minutes. Man, we come to church, you know, we sit for 45 minutes or an hour. These messages are typically averaging 45 minutes or so. We hear the word of God, and the minute we leave here, we forget what the word of God has said. We hear the word of God. We may hear some good stuff that applies to me. Oh, wow, man, that, that applies to me. Wow, that scripture I just read, wow, that applies to me. Amen? Amen? So good. Now, what has happened there, whether you realize it or not, is Holy Spirit has quickened in your spirit something that he's trying to tell you through the words that you just read. And you can recognize that that applies to me. Even though the preacher did not know what was going on in your life or anything else like that, but the words that are coming forth applies to me. Amen? And you don't know how many times I've had, even from strangers that have visited on occasion, where they'll walk up and they say, that scripture that was, was, was tailored just for me. I certainly didn't know them or anything else. But that's how the word of God works. But the minute that you hear that word of God and you say, that was meant for me, and you get out in the parking lot, you totally forget what it is that the word of God has said to you. You totally forget what it is that you should be doing. And then come Monday morning when the devil raises his ugly head in your life and tries to do something to to distract you or to disappoint you or to get you worried, you totally forget what you heard 24 hours ago. Amen? 24 hours ago. So let's go to Matthew. The book of Matthew. I think this is a fitting scripture for us to be closing on. Praise God. Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse number 1. Matthew 13, verse number 1. So important for you not to be distracted. Satan is just waiting to see where he can involve himself in your affairs the same way he's so involved in the affairs of men. You know, you know the, the other thing that is so, is so, is so evident is that um, there's the old adage... That my mom used to always tell us as children. And that is, if you tell the truth, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what it is that you said. <laughs> Alright? If you just tell the truth. 
Okay, I, I, you know, and my misspent youth and stuff like that. You got one girlfriend here, another girlfriend over here, and you forget what you said to this one. You went over here to this one, and the next thing you know, you're in hot water. All right, because you're you're lying to both of them. All right, I'm sorry, folks. Sorry, folks. I wasn't always born again and saved. Amen. Okay. All right. So, so I learned the hard way that the best way is to just say the truth. Say the truth. You say the truth, you don't have to remember. Oh, let me see now. Let me see now. This is Candace that I'm speaking to. Uh, what did I say to her the last time I saw her? Yeah, okay. All right. Oh, this is brilliant. What did I say? You know, you, you just you just simply simply you know t- tell the truth at, at all things. But um. The devil, the way he does things, because he's involved in the affairs of man and government levels in high places, is so evident, you can figure out where I'm going with this, it's so evident that when you hear them speaking, okay, and today what is so amazing is that, is that the devil will have them tell a lie someplace, then they'll be in front of another group that they're trying to win over, and they tell another lie or deny something that they said before, okay? And in today's age, it's really particularly stupid because in this electronic age, you've got video. You've got video. And you can play back what the person said, you know, an hour ago, 20 years ago, 10 minutes ago. Right? But they will swear because they're lying and the devil is involved in the affairs of their lives, you see. And the way the devil works is that he'll have you tell a lie or he'll have you go down his path and you won't remember what it is that you said before because that's how he works. Alright, you know, you see, he'll get you to follow him, and then he'll stand back and watch in joy as you make a fool out of yourself, or as you get caught in your own lie, because Satan's things are not, are not built on love. His blessings for you are not based on love. God is not going to say to you or guide you to do something or make a decision or anything that, that, that is wrong or can't be replicated or repeated by you because God does not want you to, to, to fail. Okay? All right? You see? But, and, and this is how, again, you can sit back and you can watch these people as they're talking and Holy Spirit will show you why this person is a, 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 a dog or a liar. It's simple as, I can't think of any other way to say it. Holy Spirit will say it. You see? And so you can see at the core what is wrong with, go, with, what, with what is going on in this world. Okay? And the only way that's going to solve it is God. The only way going to solve it is God. And whoever God puts into a position of authority, God has that person for good, appearing to us as good or bad. Okay? That person is there with God's permission to bring about a cause, or a reason, or an event, or a circumstance. Amen? 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 What was it Pontius Pilate said to Jesus? Don't you know, Pontius to Jesus, don't you know that I have the power and the authority over you to give you life or to give you death? Now for all of this time, Jesus was quiet as Pilate was talking to him. Hadn't said a word. But when Pilate said that, Jesus said, hold the phone. Don't you know that the power that you have, the authority that you have, is nothing that my Father in heaven hasn't given you. Amen? So whomever God puts in place, or permits to be in place, God will be in charge. God will indeed be in control. So all we need to do, to simply do, is to pray. That God will watch over us. That God will watch over our brethren and sisters. That God's will will be done, which we know that it will. But in the meantime, that God will protect us and keep us safe from harm, seen and unseen. Amen? So back to the part here now. And, you know, we hear the word of God. We hear a good word. And then we leave. And then what happens? Go to Matthew 13, verse number 1. 
And we're going to go through this as much as Holy Spirit have us to go through. 13, chapter, uh, verse number 1. Chapter 13, verse number 1. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, but other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when you see that, Jesus is saying, listen up, okay? If you want to hear and understand truth, listen up. 10 says, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. And I'm saying to you this day as his children, that it is given to you to know and understand the mysteries of God. It's given to you. To the unbeliever, to the disbeliever, or for those that just simply do not want to believe, they will never understand the mysteries of God because the deeper things of God are revealed by Holy Spirit. And they do not have Holy Spirit, therefore they cannot comprehend. Amen? So Jesus said, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever has, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not, from him shall be taken away, even what he has. Therefore speak I, I to them in perils, because they seeing, see not. They seeing, see not. And hearing, they hear not. Neither do they understand. Alright? Take you back for a moment. What did we sing this morning? Open my eyes, Lord. Open my ears, Lord. Okay? Alright? So there are people that are walking around, even though they can see things, and they're driving cars and trucks and trains, they're blind. They're hearing things, but they do not hear. Okay? Because their eyes are not spiritually open, their ears are not spiritually open. Therefore, therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing not and hearing, uh, they, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, or Isaiah, uh, Isaiah, which says, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Okay? You know, and you stop and think about this. How many people do we know that are like that? How many people have you tried to talk to until you're blue in the face and they just simply don't hear you? You can talk to them about God. They can have things going on in their lives and you know what's going on in their lives is not in accordance with God's word. And you may try to talk to them, you know, and they simply don't hear, you know. You can give them good spiritual proof, good biblical proof of why what you're saying is true and correct and they simply do not hear and they do not understand. Amen, amen. Because they're not giving into Holy Spirit um, drawing. You see, you know, you see, you see, the Holy Spirit is drawing to every single individual, believer and non-believer, believer on this planet. 
The word of God says that it is not God's will that any should perish. Amen? Amen? So the person that you're trying to talk to, God is calling to them. God is, is reaching out to them, but they're just choosing not to hear. They do not wish, wish to hear. Therefore, they cannot understand. When you start telling them of a, of a, of, of a greater place to come, to go into eternity, you know, you know, and for the life of me, I don't understand why anyone that you love, a family member or a friend, you would not want them to spend eternity in heaven with you, you know? Knowing if you believe the Bible, what the Bible is saying, and that every single human being on this planet is going to spend eternity, and I mean eternity, okay, because the human spirit does not die, alright? The human spirit does not die. There's no such thing as reincarnation where spirits are recycling, you get another chance, okay? Your spirit does not die. You know, when someone passes away and we have home-going ceremonies, you know, which some call funerals, but home-going ceremonies, you know, we always say that that person has not died. They simply changed address. They had a change of address. Amen? So the loved one that knows the Lord we know has gone to heaven. Okay? For that person that just, just in, insists on not knowing God or does not want to know God, then not according to my word, but according to, my, to, to the word of God, they're going to spend eternity in hell. It's as simple as that. So anyone that you love, that you care for, be it friend or family, would not you want them to spend eternity in heaven with you? Amen? Amen? You see, but because of the fact that they do not want to hear, and their eyes are not open, they won't let their eyes be spiritually opened, um, then they're, they're really, you know, running at, at risk of being deceived, not to mention the final outcome of their existence. Amen? Amen? You see, and so Jesus is just saying here, in verse 14, and in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross. Their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes that they have closed. Their eyes they have closed. They have closed. Unless at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted to come to know Jesus, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Amen? So everyone sitting here in this room, your eyes are open and your ears are open. You see and you see and you hear and you hear. Amen? For verily I say unto you. Remember when I say verily, Jesus is saying, now listen to what I'm saying. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see. And have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. Hear you therefore the parable of the sower. Then he's going to explain it. But what he's saying here real quickly, he says, Many of the prophets and righteous men that had gone on and whatnot had desired to see Jesus. Don't forget, Jesus was prophesied the whole time that they were in captivity and the whole thing. And they simply held on to their faith. And these people, they, they lived their lives and they passed on. They never did see the things, the mysteries and the miracles that Jesus revealed to, to them. Amen? So he says in 18, Hear for you, therefore, the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, okay, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, and doesn't understand it, then comes the wicked one, then comes the devil, and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is which he received by the wayside, okay? So it's saying there that anyone that hears the word and doesn't understand it, the devil one comes along and steals the word away, all right? So if you're listening to the word and you're just sitting there and you don't have any Holy Spirit revelation or your mind is just drifting and you're not receiving the word, that word that you heard can be just stolen away. 
You get outside, you totally forget that which you've heard. You just totally forget about it. And life becomes miserable for you, and you go on and you get into the dumps and so on like that. Verse 20 says, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word, and with joy receives it, yet, yet the word doesn't have root in himself, but it, it endures for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and, uh, by and by he is offended. All right. So that means there that the person then that hears the word, they're sitting in church, and they enjoy what they're hearing, okay, and they feel all good and they're celebrating and so on. And then when they leave church, all of a sudden a problem comes into their life, and they totally forget about what they heard. Everything was cool as long as they were hearing the word at that particular time. But when they got outside of church, it was just stolen away from them because they, they, couldn't, even, they couldn't even maintain it. When tribulation or persecution arises. Amen? 22 says, He also that received seed among the thorns is he that hears the word, and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Okay? So in other words then, you can hear a good word of God. And it makes sense to you. And you love what you're hearing. Alright? But then all of a sudden you get outside and you get caught up into, into the worldly discussion. You know? You get out, you, you hear a good word for your life and, and then all of a sudden you get outside and someone starts saying to you, yeah, but do you know man, you, you can get that promotion by doing this. You can get that house by doing this. You know, you know that thing that you've been wanting, man, that stereo system? You can get that by doing this, which is totally outside of the word of God. That thing could be totally outside of what you just heard in church. Amen? But the riches, the things that you want, the position that you're desiring, that thing, those material things are so important for you that the good word that you heard totally is gone. It's totally gone. You're just totally negated. Amen? Amen? And a lot of times this will happen when you, after you leave church, let's say, and then come Monday, or for some people even Sunday afternoon, you go out to dinner or you start meeting some friends or whatever like that and they start talking about a whole lot of stuff that's unbiblical or not in line with the word of God, you know, and you get so caught up in that, okay, you know, well, my family does this, my family says that, my friends say this, my friends say that, you know, and next thing you know, you're just being pulled right away, right into it, and you totally forget about what you just heard on Sunday. Totally forget, amen, because the things of this world are more important to you. Right? You see? So, this is where we also as, Christ, as Christians need to get to the point that we understand that God will supply all your needs. Okay? God knows you need a house. God knows you need a car. God knows you need food. God knows you need clothes on your back. God knows that. Amen? So then the way then that you should benefit by it is by focusing first on God. Don't go listening to what your friends and family tell you about things of this world or riches of this world or how you go about attaining them. You focus on God. God will give you all of those things that you need. You know, what kind of a child of his would you be if you were out there wanting and struggling? All right? Okay? And, and, and we all have points in our life because of tribulation that we may be struggling. Okay? But we know as children of God, as Christians, that there's a way to get out of that struggle. So that that struggle is no longer a struggle. Amen? Amen? And I mean, you know, if you don't have two nickels to rub together, and you got the mortgage due, the rent due, your light bill is due, or whatever, if you're keeping faith in God and you're trusting God, and you're doing what God is telling you to do, then that worry is no longer a worry. Because you simply say, well, God, you know what I need. You know what's out there. You take it. You, you take it away. You take it. You see? see? Now, 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 even hearing that word 
what I just said to you? For right now, that may be resonating. Oh, man, that, yep, I got to remember that because that's where I'm in my life right now. Yep, that's it. That's where I'm in my life. Okay? We finish the message. We take up our tithes. We sing a few things we say. We say, praise the Lord. There's the closing blessing. God bless you. And all the church said together, amen. And we say amen and we clap and then we're out of here. <laughs> Ten minutes outside the door. You get a text message or a phone call or whatever, and it's that problem just rising itself up again, and that's what you forget what you've heard. Okay? That's the seeds that's falling on stony places. That's the seed that's in the, in the, in, in, in the, um, in, in the thorny places. That's the seed that's falling where it is not taking root. Alright? In the final verse here, it says what? But he that received seed unto the good ground, is he that hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit and brings fruit, brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. All right. So in the last one, he that received the seed into into good ground, and the good ground is your spirit. You know, and many times you, you've been paying attention to what's being prayed, and I hope you always listen to what's being prayed when you're in church or wherever you are, if someone is pray, praying, this is what's being said. Many times you'll hear me say, Lord, prepare their spirits as fertile soil to receive your word today. Many times I've prayed that before the sermon starts, because I want your spirits to be prepared as fertile soil to receive the word, and for that word to be deeply rooted. Then I'll go on to say, and let that word, okay, be watered by Holy Spirit. And then that, that word that's in your spirit, let the light, the sun of Christ Jesus shine upon that seed, so that that seed may blossom and bring forth much fruit. That's what that prayer is based on, that I pray for you. That the words that you're hearing does not go into stony ground, that your spirit is ready and willing to receive and absorb and to understand what God is saying to you. That you get that seed and you'll plant it deep down in your spirit and when the evil one comes to try to steal it away because of some circumstance that happens in your life after you leave here, that that seed will not be dug up. It'll be so deeply rooted in your spirit that no matter what the devil says, no matter what happens after you get out of here, you will not forget what you've heard. And you'll put into practice what you've heard. And you'll act on what you've heard. And trust God based on what, your word, or what you've heard. Amen. Our God is an awesome God. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in the life of those that are close, close to you. He knows that's going on in the lives of those that you love. He knows, he knows your desires. He knows your prayers. He knows your fears. He knows your worries. He knows your concerns. He knows where you're, you're, you're anxious or nervous about some things that, that have to come to pass. Amen? Amen? But I'm saying to you this day, the seeds that are going forth for you to receive is that, is, is that God is there. God is with you. He's a God of faith. He will bring you through all future things that need to come to pass if you focus on Him and trust Him. And trust Him. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.